Good to see everyone. Um, lots of telling Ron, lots of material. It's a two-part class, um, so in some ways it'll just be a uh, an open conversation to see where I've stopped today and where we pick it up. This time of year, um, and, and for some of y'all, we've been to these kind of Christmas classes towards the end of December for me. The last few years, there may be some redundancy, and I was sitting around about 10 days ago starting to think about the classes, and my thought was, well, gosh, you know, you've used that, and well, I think you used that about six years ago, and I think you used that, and then I thought, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, Christmas comes every year, and it's good that it comes every year, and that we don't have to insert something new into the story every year, and so... Uh, Somewhat unapologetically, there may be some uh, uh, some material that's a repeat for you. I hope it is. Um, uh, I do know, for instance, if time permits, well, somewhere this week or next week, we'll probably listen to um, T.S. Eliot reading his poem, uh, The Journey of the Magi. Uh, or, yeah, Journey of the Magi. I did that five or, maybe not that long ago, four years ago, five years ago, something like that. You know, gosh, I heard it again, and I was like, "This is brand new to me." Uh, I mean, it's just a new—it's a whole new, a whole new way of thinking about it. So, so unless you're one that looks at this every single day all year, you know, welcome back to Christmas, where we're going to go back to the same old story. Uh, and so, with that, let's open with a prayer—a very old prayer, which you've been to church before. You've probably heard this before. It's one of the Christmas collects from Thomas Cramner. Oh God who makest us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of thine only Son, Jesus Christ, grant that as we joyfully receive him for our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold him when he shall come to be our judge, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. So, all I hope to do uh, this week and next is just to connect us, uh, connect you, connect me, into some of the themes which abound in Christmas and abound in, uh, in the incarnation of God as God um, veils himself in flesh, uh, to quote one of the hymns, where he lowers himself and takes the form of a man, and more than that, takes the form of a servant, um, transmogrifies, that's a Calvin and Hobbes word, uh, and become something that he wasn't so that we also could become something that we weren't um, so that the finite would become infinite, infinite so that the abstract became concrete that we, uh, each condemned to death, may have opened to us the gates of eternal life. Trying to connect to some themes, some themes of, uh, of loss, of longing, of loneliness, of alienation, uh, of restoration, of, of peace, of contentment, of the fullness of God's glory, his relational glory, which exists from before time within himself in the Trinity of God, to connect some of that to this longing that I think that I know I have, and I would assume by extension that you have, this time of year in a particular way, this longing for a relational glory, to give it that kind of language, uh, a longing for a connection, a longing for what was lost, whether it actually really happened, you know, or not. This this homeward ache, you know, this sense of gosh, wasn't Christmas like this when I was a child? You know, maybe it was. It probably wasn't, in fact. Um, but we still had that longing for that 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 interconnectedness, which is good, because it's within God 
and that's how he exists in Trinity, and that's what was lowered and condescended and took flesh and made concrete among us at Christmas. So that's where we're hoping to go, is connecting to some of those themes, talking to Liz this morning, because sometimes I do this, and I don't think it's coming out today, you know, sometimes there's some funny things on the slides and all that stuff. On the scale of heavy to funny, this is more on the heavy side this week, so we'll see if it comes around. So when we start with uh, the uh, the stories that we tell at Christmas, let's start with one of the Christmas stories from Matthew. Um, next week we'll do Luke. Matthew, just to sort of let you in on these sorts of things, um, you know, you can impress people at these proverbial cocktail parties where we go to, and I know all of us talk about biblical theology at these parties, <laughs> and you can wow them with your amazing uh, ability to discern, oh, that's probably Matthean, or that's probably Lucan in its material, Matthew and Luke. Um, Matthew is a Jewish gospel. He's the one who quotes the Old Testament. Um, and so he emphasizes the very Jewish nature of God coming. And so he, uh, uh, whereas Luke, a physician, think Good Samaritan Luke, he's the one who's sort of more for the, the common man, the poor, and all that stuff. So Matthew, we can remember, tells the birth of Jesus Christ and then also emphasizes the, uh, the coming of the wise men, um, the invasion of the Gentiles into the Jewish land. And so we're going to read that this week and kind of play with that theme just a little bit, not too much, um, but that's definitely where T.S. Eliot's coming in. Um, and next week we'll look at Luke, um, and he emphasizes the shepherds, the common shepherds who come as the first witnesses of Christ, and then they go immediately back to doing what they were doing. Um, just back to their normal, common, everyday life. Luke emphasizes the common everydayness of God, um, or better, of God's invasion into the common everydayness. Matthew really wants to sort of defend sort of the coming of God into the Old Testament language. Anyway, and I, I probably shouldn't go on these kind of diversions because I don't have that much time. So this is Matthew. Um, the story we tell at Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before he knew her as, a, as his wife, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling, all told the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ, where the Christ was to be born. 
they told him, in, Be in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from, from, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He drips with sarcasm. I have to interject. Alan Rickman, is that the, the, the uh, did he play Snape? Mm -hmm. And then before that, I, I, I don't know him as Snape. You know what I know him as? Die Hard. Die Hard 2, is that right? No, he's Die Hard 1. The villain in Die Hard 1, I hear him whenever I hear that. He's, the, he's Herod, and he's got this sort of cynical, because he's, he's saying, you know, well, tell me where he's doing, because I want to come and worship him too. Alan Rickman's not telling the truth. Herod's not telling the truth. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever that's worth. After listening to the king, um, uh, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until they came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The stories we tell at Christmas um, have to do primarily with the story of God invading, um, as C.S. Lewis would call it, this alien land, this uh, uh, this enemy-occupied territory. God comes in a um, subterfugal way and wants to uh, lay his glory by. Mild, he lays his glory by. And he comes in in a way that is completely... Um, unexpected and so not too many images today but one as I was thinking about this I was like how do we contrast this uh, and this would be more of a, this is more Lucan in fact than, than, than Matthew uh, but how do we contrast this there's no room for him at the end and so he was born in the stable a manger you know the feeding trough kind of thing whether that was a, a, a structure or just a cave we're not really sure uh, uh, but 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 a manger is no more than a feeding trough, um, almost certainly out of stone, and, and that's where he was laid. It would be something like this, I think. This image is out of San Paulo, Brazil. Um, you know, but if you've traveled in Latin America or elsewhere in the world, um, developing countries or even uh, developed countries like the United States, if you go somewhere, it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to me. You're going out and you enjoy a nice meal and you're uh, walking to the car, back to get a cab, or whatever else it is. And then unfortunately, your eyes dart to the left because something grabs you, and there you see it, you know, a shanty, um, you know, made out of tin or something else like that. And there's somebody in there, uh, and lo and behold, uh, the, the collision of what you're enjoying from our position of wealth and privilege and, and stasis and, and all else uh, comes crashing down with the reality of, of the way the world is. Well, this is this is it. Um, this is the way the Lord mildly lays his glory by. Um, and the hustle and bustle behind with the car whizzing by and the high rises uh, in the back, you know, a very developed land across the street um, for there's no room for God in the uh, in the uh, in the inn, in the place across the street within civilization, within what we would expect 
the scribe wants to sort of play this image out. There's no room for God in the way that we would expect him to come. And so he was born in a place like this. Uh, you know, there is a man hiding in there. And if the story was to be told again, you know, in 21st century parlance, I dare say it'd be something like this. That, that it would be in a, 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 a uh, I don't know what you call this, just a, a, a makeshift homeless abode. Uh, this is how God would enter the world, um, in a, as an unexpected way as we could possibly conceive. Uh, one that more than unexpected is offensive. I mean, I hope in some ways I'm drawing a little bit of out, because uh, I'm certainly wrong, and I know that. Uh, but I hope I'm being just a little bit offensive, for that is how the Word describes the Word. The Word of God and in scriptures describes, describes the capital W Word as the scandalon, the stumbling block, the great offense to our sense and sensibilities, um, uh, the thing that is foolishness to Greeks, and, and folly to the Jews, uh, God comes and is born in a place such as this. So this God with us, the story of how God comes um, in this meek, lowly, uh, humble, even offensive way. Uh, tag here is God, Emmanuel, God with us. The way that God is, comes to be with us shows the way that he is for us. Thomas Cramner got that in the Collect. Um, to read that again, O God, who makest us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of thine only Son, Jesus Christ. So he starts with the birth, with the incarnation, with Christmas. Uh, grant that we may joyfully receive him as our Redeemer. That's a good Friday and Easter language. Um, grant that we may joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, so that we may with sure confidence behold him when he shall come to be our judge. The way God comes to us is to show the way that he is for us. Um, that we, the way that God comes to us, um, offensively, weakly, uh, impoverished, broken, um, for by his stripes we are healed, uh, all the way that God comes to us shows the way that he is for us that he comes to us in our brokenness, in our impoverishment, in our need, in our, um, in our weakness, in our death, in fact, and not in our glory, in our strength, in our, uh, our cross-the-streetedness. The way God comes to us at Christmas um, is to show us the way that he is for us, finally and fully, both um, on Good Friday when he takes it all, the very parts that we that he is not, and he takes those on, so the very parts that we are not, that we could be. Um, as Paul would say it in a much better way, um, God, though he was rich, made himself poor, so that we in our poverty might become rich. Uh, not monetarily, obviously, but rich in the kingdom of God. Um, Charles Wesley, from Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Veiled in Flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, uh, mild, he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. Um, and again, what's my hope here? To connect us with some themes, because we will, 
lustily, I hope, you know, sing these hymns in a, in, in a, you know, a little less than a week, a little bit more than a week. Thanks be to God. I hope we'll connect in a little bit with an image and with some thoughts and with some places. So with all this, then, um, another place, a little bit of a leap here, but, but the prophet, prophet Isaiah, as he comes out in a couple other places, uh, as Matthew does, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And you, O Bethlehem, no by, no, are, no, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Um, another prophecy from Isaiah the people who walked in darkness, and we'll hear this with you know, clarion bells next week at the pageant. For the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light um, from Isaiah 9. Um, I think I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. To be upended by the offensiveness of the incarnation of God coming with, to be with us to show us how he is for us. If that penetrating word does not come through to see that he's talking about me, that I am the people walking in great darkness. Uh, if it is somebody else, if it's you and not me, I'm just not saying it's, it's just you, it's not me, um, uh, then God comes as a welfare program um, and nothing more. And I think that's our default mode, in fact, is to think of Christmas as a, we were talking about this earlier before, um, some of us before class, this, this billboard in Times Square, let's take Christ out of Christmas. Um, uh, let's just agree for a season to uh, be nice, that we can create, as a human creation, a welfare program for others, for the benefit of ourselves and others. Uh, let's, let's shine a light in the dark places and, uh, and allow those people to be helped. Well, that's an unhelpful word. Because, as I said a few minutes ago, we have a 100% failure rate. We will die. You will die. I'm dying. I'm not really, I mean, I'm not, not confessing that I have a disease or something, but I'm dying. You're dying. We're all dying. 100% failure rate. Um, we walk in darkness. Uh, but behold, this child, <laughs> this child, uh, is the one upon whom the hopes and fears of all the years, um, he can carry that burden. So, the people who have walked in darkness, you and I, this is good news, um, have seen a great light. Um, that connects me to the phrase nostalgia, um, this idea of a, uh, of a, of a home ache. Um, that's what the word means, um, nostos algos, uh, out of the Greek um, that an ache for a house, a home, that we have this desire for restoration, for peace, for a place where things and all manner of things shall be well, especially this way, you know, with, with people that we love and people whom we have loved and that we've lost by death or through estrangement or just through the passage of time, that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to still know him, but the cares and occupations um, have come in between us, and we just don't really stay that connected anymore. Um, it's funny. Christmas is when that comes back, isn't it? Um, that's nostalgia, and that's why it works. You know, I'm a big fan of the market, um, the market, free market. Uh, w w what does it do? Why am I saying I'm a fan of it? Because it describes the way things are just about as well as anything. The market finds the truth. Uh, what do I mean by that? If it's going to work, the market will find it. How do we know that it works? 
money. Money is an instrument of power, and we there's a revelation of the way things actually are within the market. So what's the leap here? Nostalgia works. You know, why is retro Christmas always so popular? I read an article today. We haven't had a good Christmas hit since Mariah Carey. In 1992 is what they said. And they said, why? Well, because of iTunes and because everybody can just go back and get all the good old stuff that we don't need anything new. This time of year, we want the old stuff because we want to connect in with that ache in some ways and hope, well, maybe this time something different will happen. Well, maybe this time I'll, I'll get the call or I'll make the call or somehow it'll be better. That's nostalgia. Uh, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom and rescue captive Israel. We are Israel, the people of God, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. God with us, rejoice. Um, there's this collision here. There's a collision here. This, this, you know, death's dark shadows and the close the path to misery that we mourn in lonely exile here. And this, this hymn was written so long ago. They don't even know when it was written. Um, like 8th century, 10th century, 12th century. I mean, this is old stuff. It's not like, you know, in the 20th century we stumbled into. Yeah, you know, it'd be great to connect with the good old days. This has been around from the beginning. Um, come, uh, we uh, come, God. We who mourn in lonely exile here, we need you. Um, so here's a, 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 a word. For whom is Christmas? Um, I'm gonna get a little bit of soapbox here, and then I'm gonna come off the soapbox. Uh, we, I think, I won't put you in this boat. I think we have allowed. Well, there it goes. I, I think we have allowed that in our collective psyche, uh, we've allowed Christmas with this connection to nostalgia to be usurped. Where what do we think, Chris, who, who do we think Christmas is for? We think it's for those that, that, that family out there. <laughs> it's just not mine. Um, I wish it were. That family out there that, that looks like they belong in L.L. Bean. Or... Um, is it Ballard's? Is that the magazine we get? The catalog? You know, something like that. That that Christmas is for the that time when everybody's happy, when it comes together and there's been a reconciliation, uh, or he comes home and on Christmas morning there's a knock at the door and you hope, but it's always been disappointed, but this time you open the door and, it, and it's him. And he actually came back. You know, we think that's what Christmas is. That's for whom Christmas is, is for the person that, uh, that it's working out for, that it's good for, that's, that's got it together. For one reason or another, it's been restored and they're okay. And I think that's absolutely 100% upside down. That's wrong. For whom is Christmas? For, for, for who is Christmas? Christmas is for those who don't need it, those who think they don't need it, those who are... Uh, jaded or cynical and think that I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to try that anymore. I've been disappointed by it a thousand times. Christmas is for those who even hate it. I'm thinking of Romans 5, that while we were yet sinners, while we were godless, while we were angry, while we were um, 
displaced and alienated while I was yet God's enemy. He demonstrated his love, the same love which comes down at Christmas. He demonstrated that love by dying. That's the person for whom Christmas is. For the people that walk in darkness, this is the ones that come for Christmas. Short clip. Um, rent. Um, it's one of, you know, Mamet loves Rent, and, and by extension, I've really come to like it. It's got a great jingle, and actually, you know, the, you know, the musical out of the early 90s, totally secular, totally out there, and it's a bunch of jaded, cynical, uh, you know, grungy, urban sort of near, you know, not ne'er-do-wells. They, they, uh, uh, they've just been forgotten and lost. Those are the ones for Christmas, and Christmas is actually one of the themes that the musical wants to keep coming through. And they think they're kind of in the know for the way things actually are, and they want to make fun of their parents and the others back in the suburbs who, uh, uh, who, who they think aren't seeing reality. Well, they're the ones for, they're actually the ones that Christmas is for. Um, here's the little clip from Rent with the, uh, the uh, it's on like 40 seconds, Jingle Bells or something like that. Um, Christmas bells are ringing. Sorry about that. <laughs> so within all that, even up to it's beginning to snow, you know, just the sense we're forgotten, um, but even in our forgottenness, we actually know the way things actually are, the way the world works. That's what they think, and so they're just jaded. They they are cynics, uh, and they believe that the world has swallowed what the the blue pill in the matrix, and so they're still sort of in their waking sleep. But they've woken up to the way things actually are in the darkness, and it's beginning to snow. The bleak midwinter has come, and this is the way life actually is. Behold, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. <laughs> that's the person for whom Christmas is. And that's good news. Because I'm betting you, like me, have somebody, you are that somebody, that needs that word of behold. For unto you, in the particularity of it all, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. Not a helper. Not a... Uh, not an adjunctive, not a uh, uh, the one that you can kind of get by on because he's your friend and he'll sort of help you up a little bit. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord, which is the Messiah of God, the Kyrios of God, the Lord, the one unto whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you order the universe. Um, that's Christmas. That's the story we should tell each other at Christmas again and again and again and again and again. For those of us who walk in darkness um, by the grace of God have seen a great light.
And so from um, uh, W. H. Auden, and I, you know, I don't know anything about W. H. Auden. I can I can do Google is what I can do. Um, but he he did this um, from a, I think it's called an oratorio, which would be like a operatic poem. Uh, we who must die demand a miracle. Um, I always think as a queen, for those about to rock, uh, we salute you. I think of that when they come in. We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act, the infinite become a finite fact? Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. I wish the cast of Rent, who are, you know, by that I mean the, the you know, those who lives actually reflect anything like rent, uh, to have that kind of honesty to God. We who must die demand a miracle. Nothing can save us. Nothing will get us out of this. Nothing will get us out of ourselves. Nothing will show us the way things actually are, because we believe that we see it. We believe that we have the eyes to see the way things actually are. Nothing can save us that is possible, only the impossible can save us. And for God, nothing is impossible. And that's the impossibility that became not only possible, but finite, a finite fact, as Auden says, in Christmas, where, uh, as Dunn would say, immensity was cloistered in the dear womb of Mary. Um, And the infinite became a finite fact. The Godhead clothed in flesh, pleased as man, with man to dwell. Um, John Wesley's Come, Thou Long Expected Jesus, Born to Set Thy People Free from Our Fears and Sins, Release Us. Uh, Let us find our rest in the echoing Augustine's famous dictum from his confessions, Lord, my heart is restless, nostalgia, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. That's Christmas. Um, let's, yeah, we get time. Um, so the journey to the Magi, journey of the Magi, um, T.S. Eliot. Uh, what is this? It's a reckoning with reality. Um, uh, yeah, let's just listen. Um, Let's listen to it, and uh, it's got some images, because they, they found a recording of it. This was written um, yeah, in the early 20s, and so I guess they had him on an old phonograph. It's kind of fun to hear the scratches, and, and he's English, and so it, it sounds cool. Um, uh, we'll listen to it, and then we can talk a little bit about it, and we're going to close with uh, In the Bleak Midwinter and pick this up next week. Um. A cold coming we had in it, just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey, the ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels, gold, saw-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. Now at times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had it. At the end we preferred to travel all night sleeping in snatches. 
with the voices singing in our ears saying that this was all folly. Then at dawn we came down to a temperate valley, wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky, and an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door dicing for pieces of silver and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place. It was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago. I remember, and I would do it again, but set down this, set down this, where we led all that way for birth or death, there was a birth, certainly, we had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation, with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. That's a lot to take in, um, and I don't know if we'll be able to see it, but here's the, the words. I should have made copies for everybody. Um, no, y'all can't see that. Um, a lot here. TSL, yeah, y'all can't, I can't see that from here. Um, but those are the words. You can go find it. There's so much here. Um, great last line, I shall be glad of another death. Um did we come here for a birth, or was it a death? It was a birth, certainly. We had evidence for it. Uh, but the blood, that's what he's talking about. Was it a birth, or was it a death? I knew what birth was. Um, I've been around births so many times. But this was a different birth. The magus is, is the voice, one of the magi. Uh, laden with all of the... Um, The, the, the imagery of Christ's death coming. Um, the place was, you may say, satisfactory, our satisfaction for sins. Uh, the six hands dicing, um, throwing the dice for the cloaks. Uh, the empty wineskins, you know, drink this in remembrance of me. Um, the three trees on the horizon. Um, there's so much here. I mean, unmistakably, he's colliding these worlds, the unevangelized part of himself, and this was actually part of his his own conversion from, um, not unlike C.S. Lewis, a sort of distant agnosticism to he became a, an Anglo-Catholic, Ang- Anglican, I think, Eliot did. Um, and it's his own death, the death of the old, you know, the revelation of the way things actually are, reckoning with reality, uh, that he's coming into that, uh, this was it a birth or was it a death? Was it my own death? Was it the end of the world as I once knew it? Um, I can't go back clutching my alien gods, he would say, um, in the old dispensation of things. And Matthew even picks that up in the story, which we read earlier. Uh, they went back to their own country. They went back to who they were by a different way. They couldn't go back the same way. Their life was, in a certain sense, ruined. Or as they say in North Carolina, ruined. 
Um, it was not the same. Um, there was a birth, certainly. I came to an awareness of something, birth. Uh, but was it a birth? Was it a death? I've been around birth many times. I've come to know many things, but this is different. It's really, this knowledge is the end of me. Um, I shall be glad of another death. I shall be glad of Christ's own death, finally and fully, once and for all. But I shall be glad also to finish this part, that I shall know fully, even one day as I am fully known now. Um, Christmas, love comes down. Um, love, all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. The star and the angels, they gave this sign, the sign that points to something else, that points not only to the birth of Christ, but also to his death, our death, and our life. Um, so with that, let me end with In the Bleak Midwinter, sung by Annie Lennox. Um, I think I have to have done this before, I'm not sure. Uh, have I, Gretchen? You've been around these, yeah. Love this hymn. Um, love this hymn, and I love it sung by Annie Lennox. Of the Eurythmics, back if you're you know, around my age, and you know, here comes the rain again kind of stuff. Uh, I have no idea if she's a Christian, but she put out a Christmas album about four or five years ago that she pulled out some of the old stuff. And, uh, and even some of the songs, she put the old lyrics on, um, like Angels from the Realms of Glory. It's fantastic. And she does a version of In the Bleak Midwinter, which has the collision of all these themes. Um, certainly the theme that we just heard in, in T.S. Eliot of the theme that goes on within ourself, this nostalgia and the collision of, of what we thought we knew, but now that's becoming a death to us um, as we realize the way things actually are, that Christ came. Christmas is for those who hate it. Um, Christmas is for those who need it. Um, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. That within that, in this bleak midwinter, um, God comes. Um, God comes across the street from our expectation and from that which is nice. Uh, God comes. And what Annie Lennox does with her sort of lustily, sort of masculine voice that's so attractive to me, uh, she sings the first one in the bleak, but then she goes up to this major key where it soars as if the angels on high, the great multitude of hosts, um, declaring, behold, this is the child, this particular one in, a, in, the, in the lyric, which is rarely sung when you hear this on the radio or in the, um, in the, uh, in the common ones. She sings the second verse, the one that has the two advents, the coming of Christ. That's what advent means, is coming. The coming of Christ the first time as a child, but also the coming of Christ finally and fully. Uh, the white horse in T.S. Eliot's poem brings forth revelation that Christ comes back on a white horse, uh, where he also comes then. Heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes again in the bleak midwinter. A stable place sufficed. Um, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And she sings it in a way that's um, totally effective. And in the wonders of Apple, uh, you can just throw this into a, uh, a slideshow and there's some images that float around too. So, and we'll end on this. Hopefully. That's the end of the song. Um, Wait, the lights, Hughes.
you have to try all three of them. One of them works. It's not working? Oh well. Let me pray. We're over. Lord, we give you great and humble thanks that you in your uh, Godhead condescended to clothe yourself in humanity and flesh um, so that we might share in your eternal glory, the glory of, of, uh, of the way that you exist within yourself to yourself, that we also would share in that not only to you but towards each other. Take that, Lord, we pray, um, and multiply that gospel word to us. And enliven us, bring us to life where we, uh, the people that are walking in great darkness, um, would have the light of Christ uh, know us. Pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.